A controversy has erupted involving American Revolution-era writer and thinker Thomas Paine and neglect of historic sites dedicated to Paine's memory that are in his last home, the New York City suburb of New Rochelle, a city in Westchester County. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. To get to the bottom of the story, we welcome Jim Kaplan to the Historian's. Good to talk with you, Jim. Good to talk to you, Bob, as always. Yes, Jim Kaplan has worked many years uh, in Lower Manhattan as an attorney and has joined us in the past to talk about his work with the Lower Manhattan Historical Association. Jim Kaplan, though, has lived close to 40 years in the suburb of New Rochelle, as many people do. He lives in the suburbs. 30, 36 years, actually. But, uh, All yeah. right, well, 36 years. Um, and Jim Kaplan wrote an essay on the problems facing the Thomas Paine historic sites in New Rochelle for the New York History blog, which occasioned a flurry of responses. Uh, can we start with an account of the life of Thomas Paine. Uh, where was Thomas Paine born, and, and how did Benjamin Franklin become one of his mentors? Yes, Thomas Paine was born in England. He's one of the few founding fathers who was not born in the United States, and uh, he was born to what you might say was a lower middle class family. Uh, he had a number of different jobs. Uh, uh, probably the principal one, he, he had a store, he sold the uh, he was an excise tax man for the British uh, government for a while and tried to organize what you might say was a union of excise tax men. But uh, basically the uh, common denominator of all his activities was that they failed miserably. Mm. And uh, so at the age of 37, he was basically uh, penniless, unemployed. Uh, he'd been divorced and really going nowhere in life. Uh, rather unusual that he would become one of the most important men of the twenty of the nineteenth seventeenth uh, century, eighteenth century. century uh, uh, shortly thereafter, but uh, uh, he um, uh, really had no place to go. Uh, uh, so he went to see uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, who was the American representative of various colonies in London. Uh, one thing about him was he had gone to various. Uh, lectures and studied in libraries and obviously uh, learned quite a bit and, and had done some writing actually as a, a pamphlet on the, uh, how excise tax men, why excise tax men should get higher wages, which the English government immediately rejected. But uh, 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 he was uh, uh, really at, at, at a low point in life uh, and uh, uh, he asked uh, Mr. Franklin, who he known from some of these lecture meetings where he may have been a kind of a gadfly kind of guy. Uh, uh, do you think there's any possibility for me in the American colonies? And uh, Franklin was very sympathetic. He said, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe the United States could use a young man, a man like you, Mr. Payne. It wasn't that young. Uh, and uh, he offered to write a letter of introduction to his son-in-law, Richard Bache, in Philadelphia, uh, and it was through Beige that uh, Payne obtained a, a position, firstly, as a, as a, as a teacher. And also, he, uh, because he went to various bookshops, he got a position on a local newspaper. Uh, the, one of the proprietors of the bookshop was starting a paper called the Philadelphia Gazette. Mm -hmm. And his uh, 
uh, he was a great success in this position. His crisp writing style brought him uh, uh, followers and brought uh, uh, readers to the to the Gazette, so it became one of the more important newspapers in Philadelphia. Uh, and in this capacity, he, he had a, very, a keen observer of uh, life in Philadelphia, which he thought was better than people. He thought people in Philadelphia were living much better than the average person in London. Uh, and in that sense, he was very impressed. Uh, and he began to follow the debates of the Continental Congress, uh, uh, which was taking place uh, at the State House in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he decided or, uh, that he would write a, an essay, as certain people encouraged him, like Benjamin Rush, uh, about uh, his views on the, the American situation, the American Revolution. And his views were quite a bit different from what was the prevailing view at the time. I think the prevailing view was uh, we want the rights of Englishmen and, you know, should we, uh, how can we uh, reconcile with England? And and basically what Paine said was, you guys don't want to be Englishmen. Do you know what it's really like to live in London for the average person? You, You want to be American? You want to be free and independent of England? You're not Englishmen, you're Americans. You know, you're different races. And you don't want to be ruled by a king. Do you know how bad the kings are in England? You want to be, uh, you want to have a democracy, elect your own leaders. Right. And that was called common sense. And that was in 1776, right? Yeah, it was in January of 1776. So common sense was an overnight sensation in the United States, in the in the colonies. Here was a man who had been a nobody in England, uh, really, at the, in a sense, at the bottom of English society. But Americans were listening to him. And Common Sense uh, published 150, sold about 150,000 copies, which was the equivalent of 15 million today. And uh, uh, the idea of independence from England, which had barely been mentioned before its publication in January, soon became a predominant and popular view. So almost overnight, Paine became a key leader of the budding American Revolution mm-hmm. and uh, uh, really was extremely influential in the, uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence. It's mm-hmm. suggested that he may have collaborated with Jefferson on the Declaration of Independence. Here was somebody who was uh, uh, suddenly catapulted to the, the uh, be a, an important leader of the American revolutionary cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as uh, the revolution, the army had difficulty after the Battle of uh, Long Island and was on its last legs over by Trenton. Uh, he was with the he was he traveled with the troops as kind of a propagandist uh, or a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a theoretician and. And George Washington called on him before the Battle of Trenton to write a pamphlet called The Crisis to inspire the troops not to uh, to stay with the army and to keep fighting. And he's, that's when he said, these are the times that try men's soul. Mm-hmm. The sunshine patriot will shrink, but if we stand together, we will win. And thus, he's considered to be a very important factor in the, in the American victory huh. at the Battle of Trenton. And I was specifically at George Washington's request. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you know, he was really in the top echelon of the American uh, army, as it were. How did uh, Thomas Paine, or why did he come to New Rochelle? Paine, although he had a very meteoric rise in the American army, he was uh, he also had a rather precipitous mm-hmm. fall. Uh, he was put in charge of uh, 
on the on the committee to get uh, aid from France, and he ran into conflict with some of the businessmen on that committee, particularly Silas Dean, because he alleged that Silas Dean and uh, the French uh, leader Beaumarchais were were taking a cut of the amount that was being paid to the Americans, which he thought was wrong. Notwithstanding his high position, he, he was basically fired by the uh, Continental Congress on the, on the influence of many of the more, you might say, businessmen, leaders in the uh, Congress. And uh, uh, he later did work for the state of Pennsylvania, but he never really worked for the federal government again. Uh, at the end, after the revolution, he sought to uh, uh, get compensation for his services, uh, which many people did, uh, who had uh, been important in the revolution. Uh, he, he was uh, denied by the federal government, although Silas Dean was given uh, uh, funds by the federal government. Uh, but uh, uh, the state of New York, uh, to its credit, decided that they would award him a farm that had been forfeited by a Tory in New Rochelle, New York, a low farm of about 300 acres. The state of Virginia also was going to give him $500, but he elected to take the, the farm, offer, the farm uh, uh, which is where the Thomas Paine Museum and Cottage is today. So uh, that's when he... Uh, 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 became affiliated with New Rochelle. Now, he didn't really stay at the farm very much. He went back to England to try to promote uh, uh, a bridge, among other things. Um, uh, but also, he continued to write about uh, democracy and uh, urge the, uh, uh, that uh, uh, fight the monarchy. And uh, that quickly ran him into problems with the, the, the English uh, government. And it was around this time that the French Revolution broke out, and, uh, uh, and one of the English supporters of the American Revolution, Edmund Burke, had written a very critical uh, uh, pamphlet, if you will, or essay about how bad the French Revolution was. And Paine was absolutely outraged, and he uh, wrote what you might consider a counter, uh, mm -hmm. uh, called The Rights of Man, uh, which was essentially defended... Uh, uh, the revolution in France and democracy and uh, uh, attacked Burke for his uh, monarchist tendencies. And uh, the rights of man became an overnight sensation again, uh, just as common sense was uh, in England and particularly in France. Uh, so uh, he was about to be arrested for sedition in England, uh, and then he was uh, spirited away uh, to France where he was given a Heroes welcome, and there were four different cities that wanted him to represent them in the French Assembly. So he became a leader in the moderate faction in the French Assembly, and really was much more important politically in the French Revolution than he was in the in the American Revolution. Mm. Uh, he was uh, uh, one of his uh, uh, most significant effects. They had captured when they captured Louis the Fourteenth, Louis the Sixteenth. Uh, and wanted to execute him, uh, there was a significant debate in the French Assembly whether they should execute him or not. Uh, the Jacobins and the more radical groups said yes for treason. Paine argued that they should not. Firstly, he was a bitter opponent of capital punishment, uh, which he'd seen as a young man in, in Thetford, England. And uh, more importantly, he said, look, uh, if you guys execute Louis the Sixteenth, he was your major, our major supporter for the American Revolution. This isn't going to go over well with your uh, 
with your uh, supporter, you know, with the people who uh, who are your logical allies, which is the United States. So, so why don't you just uh, exile him to the United States? Let him be Louis Capet and, uh, and leave him off. And that it was by one vote, one vote that they, that they, that his proposal was turned down. Even though, by the way, he didn't speak. He barely spoke French. He had to speak to an interpreter. So after that, uh, uh, the radical groups turned on everybody who had opposed them, and, and particularly on Payne as a far, so-called foreigner. And uh, uh, they, uh, in the re- so-called reign of terror, they uh, uh, indicted him, and he was executed to be... Uh, oh, he was supposed to be executed. Yes, he was supposed to be executed at the... Uh, by the government, uh, government. Uh, and he was in jail for uh, 10 months in Luxembourg, in Luxembourg prison. He tried, he thought, that the United States might help him out since he was an American citizen, so he said. And he went to uh, he, uh, uh, Gouverneur Morris, who was then Washington's ambassador to France, and uh, Morris uh, essentially said, uh, uh, well, I really can't help you, you know, and he, he told the French government that he wasn't really an American citizen because he was born in England and he had voted in the French Assembly and uh, kind of gave him a cold shoulder, which obviously he wasn't too pleased about since he was about to be uh, executed. Mm-hmm. Finally, uh, at the, the reign of terror uh, with, when Robespierre uh, dissipated and uh, there was a new American ambassador, which was James Monroe, and James Monroe was the... Uh, who was Jefferson's ambassador, Jefferson's Secretary of State, and uh, uh, he was much more sympathetic and tried to get, uh, uh, successfully tried to get Payne mm-hmm. out of jail, and he lived at the uh, American embassy for a while. Uh, but after that, uh, Payne was actually very embittered. Uh, he felt the United States should have helped him out. He later was not able to come back to the United States because the British controlled the seas for about several years, uh, but he stayed living in France, and uh, uh, at one point he did write a letter, which Monroe urged him not to do, attacking George Washington, because he felt George Washington had left him to die in the uh, uh, jail in in France. It's a little unclear. I I think George Washington probably had other things to worry about besides the fate of Thomas Paine at the time, and it's unclear whether Morris... uh, uh, told him what was going on, but uh, in any event, it turned him against uh, Washington. He also, when he was in jail, wrote a tract called The Age of Reason, which was uh, very hostile to organized religion, and that uh, uh, did not endear him to many people. Okay. But, uh, We're talking with uh, Jim Kaplan about Thomas Paine, American uh, founding father, and his connection with New Rochelle, New York. We'll be back with Jim in, in just a moment. The Historian's Podcast depends on your contributions to keep going here in uh, 2020. You can find on our homepage, bobcudmore.com, a link to our GoFundMe page. Also, if you rather donate by mail, you can write a check out to me, Bob Cudmore, and send to 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. And thank you uh, very much. We're talking with uh, Jim Kaplan about Thomas Paine. Ultimately, uh, Thomas Paine does come back to America, correct? In yes, 18... that's right. Go ahead. In 1801, he did come back. At the, at the uh, 
specific invitation of Thomas Jefferson, who was then the president, uh, with whom he had a close relationship. So in, in any event, and he went back to his farm in New Rochelle. Now, he was uh, in many ways uh, persona non grata in the United States because of his uh, anti-religious uh, writings as well as uh, perhaps his attacks on Washington. Um, but he, and he was older, he was beginning to... So he hoped to live quietly in New Rochelle, um, but New Rochelle at the time was controlled by Federalists, and uh, he had kind of a rocky relationship with his neighbors. Uh, and in, in particular, uh, in 1806, he was denied the right to vote in the New Rochelle elections by the New Rochelle Board of Electors on the basis that he wasn't an American citizen, which completely outraged him. Uh, he tried to fight it in the courts unsuccessfully in Westchester County uh, and, and uh, complained to anybody who would listen. And uh, later, he, uh, after that, he left to uh, live in New York City and died three years later. His health was failing in, in Greenwich Village. Uh, he tried to get into a uh, Quaker cemetery, but they refused him because of his religious views, and therefore he was buried in a very small funeral on his farm in mm -hmm. New Rochelle. Uh, now, to finish the story, uh, in 1818, uh, ten years later, an Englishman named William Cobbett, uh, who had been an opponent of Paine's, had a change of heart and decided that the United States didn't deserve Paine's bone, Paine's body, and thus dug them up in the middle of the night and took them to England, where he wanted to have a, uh, a memorial that would hopefully start a revolution against the English king, uh, uh, that didn't happen. He went bankrupt, and his bones were supposedly lost <laughs> and have been scattered throughout the world, although uh, a piece of them arguably is back in New Rochelle, which I'll talk about. In okay. Minutes. Well, uh, Jim Kaplan is our guest. Uh, I need to advance the story. Um, Thomas Paine's gone, but his reputation seems to grow uh, during the 1800s and, and, the, and the 1900s. And at some point, uh, he is, is remembered in, in New Rochelle. Uh, can you uh, talk about that? When did uh, the historic sites uh, dedicated to him come to be in New Rochelle? Well, Paine was a militant opponent of slavery and, and uh, had a very advanced views of democracy. And, uh, uh, many people, I guess, began to think of that. In 1839, there was, uh, the first statute in America was erected to Thomas Paine on North Avenue, right by his farm. Uh, and then in the late 19th century, after the Civil War, uh, there was a group of people who formed the Thomas Paine Society, particularly a man named Moncure Conway, who wrote the first biography of Thomas Paine. And they would literally look to Paine as their spiritual leader. I mean, people think of, you know, the uh, founding fathers were slaveholders, they were uh, uh, very wealthy men, but Paine was none of that. Mm -hmm. So they would look to Paine as their... Uh, uh, and in 1905... Uh, there was a rededication of the Payne Monument at which Conway claimed that he had a piece of his brain that was going to be placed in the base. Uh, and uh, uh, in 1909, for the 100th anniversary of his death, uh, the Thomas Payne Cottage and the uh, museum was formed. And then there was not enough... Uh, that was such a popular place, and school children in uh, New Rochelle would visit it uh, that they needed a larger space. So they erected the Thomas Paine Museum in 1925. Uh, 
mm-hmm. on North Avenue. And that really was a space where you could fit 50 or 60 school children every day or however many. And that became kind of a center for Thomas Paine uh, memorabilia, Thomas Paine. Uh, Thomas Edison was one of the uh, promoters, founders of that. Uh, he returned this first spade of earth on the Thomas Paine Museum, which is on North Avenue. Uh, now, that's what I have been advocating be uh, preserved, even though there's a current plan, potentially, to sell it off to a private developer. And I think that's a terrible mistake and a terrible destruction of our of our history in uh, New Rochelle. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 I think, actually, the Thomas Paine Museum and the whole concept of Paine as a, uh, it was very important in the history of New Rochelle, which stood against the uh, racists in the South. And, uh, you know, New Rochelle was always a progressive, integrated community. And the Payne Museum, in my opinion, was the center of that. Mm -hmm. But you write that in your piece uh, for New York History blog that starting uh, or after 2009, the museum, the Payne Museum, no longer enjoyed community support and the building was falling into disrepair. Why, Why did that happen? Well, I think there's kind of a, a loss, uh, uh, well, in New Rochelle and probably in other places in the state of New York, of, uh, uh, of an understanding of our history. I think if people, if you close down these facilities and they're not maintained and they're not, uh, uh, you know, people forget about them and they forget what was there. Uh, I mean, probably uh, Rob Petrie and... Uh, uh, the uh, is probably better known in New Rochelle today. <laughs> no, or no. New Rochelle. If but, he uh, is, I mean, you mean from the uh, Dick Van Dyke show? Right? Oh, yes, Rob Petrie, the Dick Van Dyke show. You know, I mean, the culture went on, and I think people didn't realize that this really was a center of the abolitionist and and the civil rights movement. I mean, the idea of uh, you know, in the South, they're now tearing down monuments to Robert E. Lee or Bedford Forest or racists. But we, this really was a center of the movement that ultimately would be successful in changing the vision of the country. Mm. And 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 uh, people in uh, New Rochelle apparently don't seem to realize it until we bring it to their attention. Well, so that's, what can be done now to restore the Thomas Paine sites in New Rochelle? Well, I think the first step is to get community support and to reinstitute the practice of having school children and throughout the schools in New Rochelle and Westchester County visit the Thomas Paine Museum and visit so that they learn about Paine and learn about his importance and the importance of the fight uh, to uh, uh, reestablish the uh, 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 civil rights and, and the, the anti-slavery fight throughout the the country and how it started in many ways was, uh, you know, with people who were affiliated with the, like the, uh, they were leaders of the NAACP, with the, with the Thomas Paine Museum. I think if you do that, you'll get uh, people, there will be a use for the museum because if school children come there, you'll need a place for them to come. You'll need a place for them to, uh, I think the city government and the state and the, uh, county government and the state government and the federal government has an obligation to maintain these sites and to preserve and protect our history. And uh, uh, so in my view, uh, you know, now I've spoken, uh, since I wrote my article, I've gotten uh, 
a number of responses from people in New Rochelle, all of whom felt as I did. Uh, the mayor of New Rochelle, Noam Bramson, called me and said, well, what do you think should be done? And uh, uh, actually, last weekend, we had a meeting at the Kane Cottage with the uh, uh, president of the uh, Thomas Paine Association. Uh, so, but I think it's very unclear what uh, what will be done today or what will be done uh, tomorrow. Uh, to me, it's a, a work in progress. And in my view, the, the fight to save the Thomas, the Thomas Paine Museum is just beginning. But I think it's a very important fight because it's a fight to preserve our history, not only in New Rochelle, but throughout the state mm-hmm. of New York. How did you specifically, I mean, you live there, but how did you specifically become involved in this issue of the decline of the Thomas Paine sites? Sure. Well, my, my, I, I, I'd go and buy there. I periodically would go by there when I was, uh, when I had children, who are my children are now in their late, uh, early 30s and late 20s, but, you know, we would from time to time go there. And then I happened relatively recently, like two or three years ago, to go by, and I was told the museum is closed. And it, it sounds like and their, their plan is to sell it off to a developer because this is now a prime area. And, uh, you know, I, I was shocked, but I didn't know uh, what to do. But my wife is more active uh, politically in New Rochelle. Uh, she's with the so-called Indivisible Movement and was a district leader in our area, which is where the Thomas Paine Museum is, and uh, goes to all these political meetings. And uh, uh, and so um, uh, they had a group that was interested in historic preservation, and uh, they were interested in preserving Leland Castle, which is over at the College of New Rochelle. And they said they wanted speakers, and they asked me if I would go speak, uh, as did a number of other people. Uh, so I said, sure. Um, but I, you don't mind if I say something about the Thomas Paine Museum. So I spoke a little, I supported Leland Castle's uh, uh, landmarking, but said, but we should be talking about the Thomas Paine uh, Museum. And then I had another meeting of the city council and uh, uh, citizens to be heard. Uh, I spoke more, or you might say more uh, directly and fluently about the, the threat to the Thomas Paine Museum, expressing the view that I just did. And... Uh, and then wrote uh, this article for the history blog, which I've done about 10 articles, which I think is a tremendous resource. And I credit John Warren. I think it was my piece was excellently edited by him. And I think it's really a, a, a and your blog, I think, is, is quite important to educate people throughout the state of, uh, about uh, historic issues. So, uh, so I, I think it's, uh, ideally, I think the, the, the museum should be renovated. Uh, should be purchased by the government or some private entity and run the way it was for almost 100 years uh, as a center for uh, uh, information, ideas uh, about uh, uh, Thomas Paine, as well as the history of the New Rochelle in, in, in this area. Mm-hmm. And, and New Rochelle is not a poor city, is it, or is it? Well, New Rochelle is interesting. It's uh, one of the southern Westchester cities. It's an old city in a sense, obviously, going back. Um, uh, it's uh, had its ups and downs. It's, uh, now there's a, a fairly progressive effort to try to renovate the downtown and redevelop the downtown. And I think they say, say something like this, $6 billion of potential developments in downtown New Rochelle. Um, uh, uh, it had, I would say, in the previous 
30 years or after the starting in the late 70s and maybe 80s, uh, I, I think its concept of a uh, uh, you know an integrated community uh, uh, had 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 some difficulties, and then the downtown began to deteriorate, and there, there were some questions people, certain people raised about the schools, although I thought they were very good for my children. Jim Kaplan of New Rochelle, New York, has joined us discussing the neglect of historic sites in that city dedicated to the memory of American Revolution uh, writer and founding father Thomas Paine, author of numerous works including Common Sense, The Crisis, and The Rights of Man. Jim Kaplan's essay on this topic first appeared on the New York History blog online. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.